Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. It is a joy for me to be able to share a message that, that I really believe is, is a word from the Lord today. As a matter of fact, uh, God changed a few of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. It was I was driving up the highway in my truck yesterday. That's always fun, especially when you're completely ready. But that's all right. It's, I, I'd rather have the word of the Lord than anything. Amen? And so in the ministry of Jesus, he went about doing some amazing things. I mean, Jesus took culture with him into the culture that was and changed it just by showing up. His ability to take chaos and turn it into peace, rest, and transformation is just unique to who he is. And because his presence is on the inside of you, you have those same characteristics in you. And that God wants to do some dynamic things among us. And I want you to know that God doesn't point a finger at people in trouble. He, he reaches out a hand. He doesn't give them just, he doesn't give them the finger. <laughs> this one, but he gives them his old hand and he pulls them out of trouble. I don't know the jokes that kind of took over the atmosphere. But you know, God is so good to help people that are really in trouble. I mean, real people in real circumstances and real situations. And I just want you to also understand that sin and guilt and disobedience and bondage and things that have lingered you wanted to get rid of and couldn't get rid of, the wild things in our lives and so forth that seem can't be tamed, all of those things, I want you to know that when he shows up, he gets mastery over all of it. And so I want to talk to you about that today in, in commemoration of Palm Sunday for us, and it seems to be perfect. But when Jesus went out teaching, preaching, and healing, it wasn't just a job description. He was actually mingling with people, touching lives real time, caring for folks, and teaching would just come out of him. Preaching would just come out of him. That healing just happened in the way. And so Mark chapter number 1 tells us to hook up in faith, and this is what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 it says, now that after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee and preached the gospel of the kingdom. What did he preach? Good news about the kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of God has come. Latch on to it. The atmosphere is changing. If you've got access to the change of the atmosphere through Jesus, the kingdom of God, grab a hold of it. Don't, don't be passive. Don't wait for it to overwhelm you. You get it. Grab a hold of it while you can. Mark says, take it by force. And so, as he continues saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. What's it mean to believe the gospel? Not that one day it will work, but it's working right now. See, right now is a, is a right now moment for you. That what God wants to do in your life, he's not going to make you wait for a victory that belongs to you yesterday. You can receive it today. That the kingdom of God has come unto you, so repent. In other words, don't, don't say, I'm sorry, God. It's, it's not a, I'm sorry, God moment. It is a change the way you think and process like you've got access process like you've got access. I'll say it one more time. Process life like you have access to breakthrough that other people can't even see. It's called faith. And it's not based on speculation. It's based on what he said and what he did. 
and why he did what he did. And so the kingdom of God has come to you. And so prayer, when we pray, it's an invitation to transformation. Matter of fact, Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us to pray, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He even taught us to pray for transformation because the earth sure doesn't look like it does up there. But everywhere Jesus walked, transformation began to take place like a wave hitting the beach. It was just a wave of transformation power that would come. And it came by believing who he is and believing the gospel. And so the aim is to graduate to a higher level of function by living in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it again. God wants us to graduate to a higher level of function because we are in and operate in the kingdom that he brought in with him. It's, not, it's different than the kingdoms of this world. One of these days, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. The king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. But right now, we're still living in the Adamic dispensation where lost things and even demonic resistance against our life is prevalent and it's everywhere. Trying to create atmosphere. And I want to talk to you today about if you're a new creation, you should have a new expectation. Come on, somebody. You're slow, but you're worth waiting for. It's like a wave. It's moving from the front to the back. Let me say it again. A new creation reality will lead you to a new expectation reality. Life in full interaction with Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was doing a work on this day of celebration when the triumphal entry of Jesus, Palm Sunday is what we call it because they wave palm branches and threw their garments in the way. That when, they, when he came in, I mean, they all knew him to be a, prof, a prophet and a miracle worker. But they didn't thoroughly understand who he was. And I'll show it to you in your Bible here in just a moment. But understand today that only, only he did. He, could only, he was the only one that could open up the door for us to become a part of God's world and God's system. And God's family. Where God is known as, by the way, this was a revolutionary idea that the almighty God is your father. And that was a brand new idea. I know we've prayed that prayer. Matter of fact, if you've grown up in religious circles and learned the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, if you've learned that prayer down through the years, it may be old news to you, but it was brand new when it showed up. Because God for thousands of years was known as the Almighty God, known by Yahweh or Jehovah or some of his Old Testament names, but he was never known as Father until Jesus showed up. And changed everything into a brand new way of thinking, brand new way of processing. Everything comes in a family by way of inheritance. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But I want you to know, I want you to know today, you're more blessed than you may realize. You may have not tapped into it yet because it takes faith to say amen. Come on, how many of you not? Amen doesn't mean see you later, God, next time I pray. Amen means so be it. Find out what God said in the word. Read the inheritance and then enjoy the blessing. It's a brand new way of life. And so here Jesus is coming into Jerusalem after praying over them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you unto myself as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings. But you would not. You were resistant to the thing. There's something wild on the inside of you that wouldn't allow you to see what you need to see. Barriers can be removed. 
The pathway to purpose can become clear through the demonstrations of what Jesus did for us. And so here's our text, Mark chapter number 11, verse 1 through 10. And it's the triumphal entry passage. And the Bible says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and Bethphage of Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, he said, Now go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered into it, you will find there a colt tied and on which no man has ever sat. I want you to think about that for a second. Anybody ever tried to ride a horse that's never been ridden before? Come on, how many of you know horses have attitude? Some more than others. Ask me how I know this. And if somebody asks you, he says, why are you doing this? Just say that the Lord has need of them. Immediately they will, they will send him here. And so they went on their way. And they found the colt tied at the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. And, but someone of those that stood by said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And he said, they, they spoke to him just as Jesus has commanded, and they let him come. And so they threw their coats and cloaks on top of the, the little donkey, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes in the road. And others cut down leafy branches and from the trees, and they spread them in the road. And those that went before and those who went cried out behind, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And boy, they just had a party clear to Jerusalem. Interesting, Jesus, when he got to Jerusalem, he went immediately to the temple. He tossed the money changers out. They began to praise him, and suddenly people started getting healed. It's a pretty powerful day. How many of you know that's right? In Matthew, the 21st chapter, it says something interesting about the crowd that was around him that, that Mark didn't mention. In Matthew, chapter number 21, the Bible says that when Jesus came riding in and there was a great commotion there, this is what the Bible says, Matthew 21, 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Man, they were having, like I said, a, a celebration. But then they asked this question. They said, who is this? They were celebrating somebody they didn't even know, which is interesting. Hey, ah, what are we shouting about? I don't know. Yeah. Three things I want to share with you today. The first thing is that Jesus has impact on the untamed behavior of our lives. Hallelujah. That we all come to God with untamed things in our life, sad but true, but we all are the same, in the same boat. We all needed a Savior, and He's saving us from the things that He needed us to deliver us from. And so just understand today, all of us have issues. Come on, how many of you got issues? Those of you who, don't, who didn't raise your hand, that's your issue. We found it. <laughs> Those of you at home, hiding. You can't hide. God knows your issues. And so all of us have these untamed things in our life. Now, now, I'll bring this up just as a matter of point, not for intimidation, but just as a matter of fact that you have an enemy in this world. That during this Adamic dispensation that we're living in, there's an enemy loose. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John chapter number 10. And you've got an enemy who, who despises everything that you are and everything that you have and who wants to make your life miserable. And so I have good news that he's utterly defeated. 
He just isn't gone. Come on, somebody. Now, let me help you here. Somebody said, you know, that old demon talk, that's all, that's kind of, that's all kind of spooky and mysterious and so forth. Let me, let me just tell you, if the Bible narrative is true, even Jesus encountered the attack of the devil. So why would you consider yourself better than the Son of God? And that, that you're better off, according to Ephesians chapter number 6, being strong in the Lord and the power of his might so that any evil day you have an opportunity to stand. Because he says, we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I don't know what you've heard about that, but if you're going to have to wrestle against those things, you best be in training. You better know what you're doing. And so the operating in the kingdom of God and in, in gospel truth and realities, again, Jesus came saying, the kingdom of God has come, believe the gospel. Just go ahead and reckon it as true because you're going to run in to the enemy. And somebody said, well, you know, if you don't run into the enemy occasionally, you probably walk in the same direction he is. Just saying. But the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John chapter number 10. So he brings confusion. He brings an evil report. He brings doubt and unbelief about God. If he can keep you from coming to God, he'll do his best. And it doesn't any one of the 10,000 different things and objections he'll bring into your, into your scope. So you just don't have faith in God because that's when he loses in your life. And so he brings us, tries to bring us into dark agreement through the things that have happened to us yesterday and the things that are happening today. And then he speaks into our, our thinking with regard to his conclusions about what's going on. He might even blame God for what's going on. And so it empowers the enemy through agreeing with him. And it gives him access to shape the culture that you live in. And so the more you believe the word of the enemy, the more his culture is established. The more you believe the word of the Lord, the more the kingdom of God's coming to you. And it's that sort of a thing. And the reason why we like gathering together is to encourage you, knowing that that kind of conflict is going to take place no matter where you go. I mean, when you go to the, God forbid, to the Cracker Barrel. Come on, how many of you know you could say, you know, I'm going to behave myself and eat well, and suddenly you see that temptation of biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Some of you are going to go to the restaurant today and say, I bind the devil. <laughs> Just go ahead and tell the hostess on the way in, I ain't eating no biscuits and gravy. Jesus' name, just take it off. And some of us will live it in our lives. We're just going to eat it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Needless to say, the enemy in all kinds of different categories of life wants to do a distorting, twisting, sort of deceptive things. It's important for you to know that the enemy is the one that wants to influence you towards the untamed issues. As a matter of fact, some people just accept untamedness in their lives and just go ahead and decide that it all fits under the grace of God and I'm okay doing it. I'm trying, sister. <laughs> and so wildness, it, it generally comes with deception and it has more license in your life under this deceptive sort of an idea. Come on, God doesn't want you deceived in, in grace. He wants you to walk in truth and the truth will make you free. Liberty is better. 
Come on, somebody shout, liberty's better. Liberty's a lot better. Yeah, thank you. I didn't ask for that, but thanks. And so Matthew chapter 24, four times in Matthew 24, talking about the last days, Jesus repeatedly warns about being deceived. Don't be deceived. And he was talking about the days in which you and I were living for. Just read it. And so deception, the word is planao, and the word means to deviate or, or to wander from the right path. Something's leading me down the wrong path. Or, or drifting away, as, as it were. And so let me tell you a story. Uh, years ago, before we actually started our church, I was, I was leading a college and career group for the Living Word in Middletown, now the Oasis. And we had about 40, we probably had 60 or more in the group, but we decided to take them all canoeing. And so we got on the river, and it was about 40 of us or something like that. And one of my leaders, his name was Johnny John. Johnny John. Not Porter John, Johnny John. But Johnny was a dear friend, and he was helping us to lead the group. He was about my age, maybe a year older than I was, but we were leading this group, and we all got in our canoes, and they totally harassed him. I mean, water balloons and anything, they paddled, and they were knocking water in his thing, just tormenting Johnny. And he was trying to be a leader, you know, and so forth. And the more leader he tried to be, the worse it got. And so he and the, and the gal that was in the, in the front with him, um, uh, Pearson was her last name. I'm trying to remember what her first name was. I'll remember it in a minute. Doesn't matter. You don't know her. <laughs> but they paddled as hard as they could to distance themselves from the trouble that they were in. And they paddled and paddled and paddled. Finally, they left sight. I mean, you go around to Ben and they just were out of sight. And I didn't blame them at all. I mean, they were absolutely tormenting him. And so, in all Christian love... So, so any, any case, they exhausted themselves, picked up their oar, said, we're just going to let the stream carry us for a while. We're worn out. And they laid back in that canoe, and they drifted, and they drifted, and finally they drifted past the stop, and they were both asleep going past the place you're supposed to stop. So we finally caught up with them, at least with the stop place. We all got out, and we thought he'd be right there, and he wasn't there. And so we waited. We waited for over an hour. Finally, here, here they come driving up in some farmer's truck. <laughs> here they came, their, their jacket and their oar in their hand and so forth. And here they came, what happened to you? We fell asleep and went past the stop. And I learned something from that event, that you don't have to do much to get in trouble. The world's got enough current to take you into trouble. All you have to do is just pick up your oar and do nothing. Wild will take over. That doing nothing... Listen to me carefully now. Because of the nature of the kingdom of God and the resistance, spiritually speaking, doing nothing can be catastrophic. There are consequences in this environment. And so the second thing I want to share with you is that Jesus, the message of Jesus, helps us to bring clarity into who we are. That he came to tame the untamed issues of our lives. How many remember in John chapter number 4, there was a woman at a well that Jesus encountered? Now, this woman was buck wild, or maybe doe wild. But she came, and Jesus, his disciples went to buy bread, and she was on this well, and all of a sudden, here she comes, and the, and the time of day is noon. The sixth hour of the day is noon. And so everybody doesn't want to come get water in the in the cool, in the heat of the day, they want to come in the morning when it's still cool. 
And so here she is in an unusual time. And Jesus encounters her and says, um, says uh, draw me some water to drink. Well, she was shocked that she, that she was even being talked to because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Everybody say, ooh. ooh. And so she says, well, you know, what are you talking to me for? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you're a preacher, and I'm a sinner, and, you know, what, what's up? He said this to her. He said, if you knew who it was that asked of you water, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water, and you'd never thirst again. So he was tapping into that thirsty thing, that result of the untamed issues of our life. See, people that are untamed on the inside are thirsty all the time, constantly thirsting after something, lusting after whatever, something to fill the void on the inside of me, and that was her. And she said, well, the well's deep, and you don't have a bucket. How are you going to get this living water? He said, you drink this water, you're thirst again. But if you drink the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. And so she said, give me this water. I don't want to have to come to this well. I don't come with everybody else because I'm embarrassed about the defeat that I've had in my life with four failed marriages and living with a dude that's not my husband. And so I'm, I'm thirsty, but I, don't, I want you to satisfy. I don't, want to, I don't want the shame and the embarrassment anymore by coming to this well and getting water by myself. And so Jesus immediately taps into what really causes the untamed issue to come to pass. And he said, he said go call your husband. She said, well, I'm not married. And Jesus said, yeah, you said that right. You've had four husbands. The one you got now is not your husband. She says, I perceive thou art a prophet. How many of you know people get religious when a word of knowledge comes? I mean, they, weren't, they were a sinner before, but now all of a sudden, man, they got God. And Jesus begins to fix this woman's life and tames the untamed issue of shame in her life. He puts the flames out on that and starts living water bubbling up because Jesus said, it'll be in you a well of water that springs into everlasting life. I just want you to know that that's what God wants to do with everybody who's trying to mask pardon the pun, mask issues of your life and cover up the untamed and really give you freedom. God wants to do something great. When Jesus takes his rightful place, like taking a place on a little donkey that nobody's ever sat on. I remember one time I was down in, at Lawrence Bishop's uh, uh, farm down there and I was filming a commercial for what we were doing at church down at Living Word in Middletown and so I love riding horses and I said well you know I need to shoot a scene can I, can I dress up in some cowboy gear and ride one of your quarter horses he said come on so anyway I did my stuff and so forth enjoyed riding and then he had a couple of horses to break he said you want to help I said well sure don't make me do it but I'll be there to help you now he rides bulls for a living and so a, a buck and bronco is no big deal if you can ride you know, 3,000 pounds of bucking hamburger. How many of you know you're pretty, you're a real cowboy, amen? So, so he, he brings a couple of horses out. One's a little black, little, little horse, smaller horse and so forth, and I've got it by the reins. I'm taking it out. That ornery little sucker, I, I brought him up there, and he stood on my foot. I mean, it's just ornery, you know. So I smacked him and so forth, and he got off. And then there's this beautiful Palomino. I mean a beautiful 
quarter horse they had just gotten. Unbroken, nobody's ever ridden him before. And so we lead these two horses out. He jumps on a little blackie and so forth, and he bucks and bucks and bucks and bucks. And finally he just submits and so forth, and I'm watching all this come to pass. Then that Palomino had some wild going on inside because he jumped on top of that one. And that thing took one jump right up in the air. I mean, about that high. Just woo! And then, and just ran right into the end of the paddock, slid, and broke his leg in the end of that paddock. Iron rail on that paddock, and he went flying over the rail, broke his leg right up underneath his knee. He turned white as a sheet, and I grabbed a hold of him, and I walked him back to the house, and now the rest of the story. So, listen, there's some things that just want to be wild on the inside of you and run you into the end of your life. And I just want you to know that if that thing doesn't get tamed, it might just break you in places where you never dreamed. And so understand today that God wants to tame the wild things in us. As a matter of fact, we're living in just wild times. I mean, it's about as wild as I've ever seen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about it, says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And then he describes those things, the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. He says, perilous times are going to come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Selfie sticks. Come on, somebody. It's never been more pandemic. Selfie sticks. People taking selfies. I never heard of that growing up. Did any of you hear of that growing up? Well, some of you are young enough that you don't know any different. You think I'm old enough, we used to wind our phone. Hello, but I know, I know. I, I, I get you. But men would be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Pandemic. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without control of themselves, brutal, despisers of those who are good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such turn away. I just want you to understand, we are living in that day. All of the list is happening abundantly around us. And it's causing society to buck against God. And so greed and apathy and fornication and strife and division, they're just everywhere. It's what happens in the wild atmosphere cultivated by getting into agreement with the one who hates us instead of the one that loves us. And so when Jesus becomes what we need, he begins to tame things in us. And the number one thing he needs to tame is our tongue. How many of you know that muscle between your teeth will give you more trouble than anything else? Anybody ever said anything you wish you could slurp the words right back out of the atmosphere? Come on, how many of you ever said something you regretted after it came out of your mouth? And the rest of you are lying. We found your problem too. Because James tells us that that's going to be the case for us. The Bible says that for we stumble in many things, but if anyone doesn't stumble in words, the same as a perfect man. Able to bridle his whole body. If you can tame this, everything obeys. Indeed, we put a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth so that it will obey us and turn the whole body. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And boy, oh boy, is that ever true. 
uh, words come to mind like Facebook and Twitter. I just want you to know, you can propel chaos. You can just keep kicking it down the road. It'll snowball on you until millions of people are talking about a stupid idea that somebody wrote in a book, Facebook. Suddenly now it's gone viral. Viral. That should tell you something. It'll make you sick. And so we buck in three different areas about God. I'll just mention these things. I won't elaborate. I don't have time. But, but God himself, we buck against God himself of his sovereignty in our lives, that he's God, I'm not. Sometimes it's just godly authority, like kicking against parents and not honoring our parents, which, by the way, has got a promise in it and the commandments of God. Honor your father and mother. It'll be well with you. You'll live a long time on the earth. Come on, how many of you want to live a long, good life? Honoring your parents is part of the commandment of God. It comes with a promise. And then sometimes we just buck against truth in unbelief or lack of knowledge. Either one, we can buck against those things. Let me just tell you on our triumphal entry Sunday, our Palm Sunday, that the donkey can teach us something about him. That when we don't buck against God and we really submit to the authority of, of God in our lives, that he tames the wild in us. Put Jesus in the right place, and he will make major renovations take place in our lives. 1 John chapter number 2 says it this way regarding sin and the different things that we deal with. He says this, My little children, these things write I unto you that you may not sin. And so the word of God helps you not to go there. But then he says that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. He's for me. He's on my side. He's here to, to plead my case with God, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so get in your mind here just for a moment as we close. Just get in your mind here just a heavenly courtroom for a second. And Jesus is your advocate. The Father is the judge, perfect and righteous. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Exodus, that he will in no wise clear the guilty. Exodus 34, he will in no wise clear the guilty. In other words, if you got guilt, you're going to be judged because he's completely pure and righteous and holy, but also merciful. So he had to satisfy justice by the mercy of the coming of his son to take your place and mine as a substitute because justice had to be satisfied. And that's where people don't understand. Somebody had to qualify first and they had to be perfect or they'd have to deal with their own sin before they could deal with yours. But the perfect Lamb of God came. And before a holy God took your unrighteousness and your sin and became sin for us who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God because of him. He took our place in sin so that we could receive his righteousness. Suddenly, I'm not standing before God with guilt and condemnation. Instead, I've got righteousness that came by grace and through faith in my life. And that's what God can do with anybody who will just repent and believe the gospel. We have an advocate, and we also, by the way, in this scenario, have an accuser, a prosecuting attorney, and he's got evidence on you. See, sin is real, and the guilt is real, and the accuser of the brethren comes before God to make his case. He says before the Holy Father, he says, I've got a whole list of things that Pat did, and I got the dates 
and the times and what he did, I got it all on my list. Huh. Now let me add a layer to this story, a little caveat here. In Matthew's account of what we read out of Mark, of the triumphal entry of Jesus, the Bible gives us a clue and it would only make sense because Matthew's written to the Jewish brain. It only makes sense really to the Jewish brain. But listen, Matthew 21, the Bible says Jesus sent the disciples on an errand to go and not only bring the colt, donkey, but to bring the mare with him. So it says in chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, verse 2, saying, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. He said, loose them and bring them to me. Not just the colt. He also brought the mare. Here they come. What's that mean? See, it's just a picture of grace of God in your life. It's just a picture of grace. Judges chapter 5, which, by the way, is a book in your Bible, that during the time of the judges, they didn't have a king. They just had judges. And what the judge said went. No jury, just judges. And so the Bible says when the judges would come to town, they'd come riding chapter 5, verse 10 on white donkeys. But then just a few chapters later in chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible says the son of the judges come riding in on the colt. And it was a picture for all of Jerusalem caught up in the wild celebration, not knowing who he was or what he was about, dealing with wild issues that... They were celebrating him today and saying, crucify him the next. But Jesus was saying to all of Jerusalem, I didn't come as a judge. I came as the advocate. And and by the way, the judge is my daddy. I got favor with the guy at the holy bench. And so the devil says, I got a whole list of things against Pat. Here they are, the times, the dates, and all the stuff. And so God looks at the son, and the advocate's got nail scars in his hands. He opens the book of life, turns to Pat's page, and there's nothing written there and blood dripping off the bottom of the page. Come on, somebody. Thank God. The word tetelestai that Jesus said on the cross means paid in full or it is finished. Now I bet you could quote John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can you, can you quote verse 17? For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world to be its judge but that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. We, like they did on that day in Jerusalem, with knowledge now, we can celebrate the king's coming into our lives, him taming the wild in us, taming the wild in an entire community, that God can do what he did on that day in your life. He can tame the wild stuff in you, the stuff you thought you couldn't kick, the stuff you thought you'd never get over, that yesterday is too pervasive and I can't get over it to spend my day today and my tomorrow in victory. It's, it's too tough. I'm here to tell you today that there's a God 
who sent his only son to tame the stuff in you you couldn't handle. He didn't ask you to do it in his strength, in, in your strength. He asked you to do it in his strength. Allow him his rightful place is the invitation. And he will tame the wild stuff in you. Bow your heads with me this morning. And those of you watching online right now, I'm going to pray. And there's some of us that have been tangled up in stuff we wish we could have got over a long time. Tendencies, repeated patterns in our life, just proving that the wild thing is still alive and well. But I want you to know today, if God be for you, who can be against you? And that God wants to do an amazing work in your life and mine. I'm telling you today, nobody called me pastor or anybody once upon a time. Because I didn't act anything like I do today. And I can tell you, my sweet wife had a front row seat for the transformation. God had a lot of wild things to tame in my life. And he did. And he's still Lord of who I am. I'm getting better all the time. But today he, he wants to start a process in you to show you the pathway of victory and to set you free. And today can be that day for you. And one of the greatest characteristics about our God is he's as close as the mention of his name. And today he can come into your life and he wants to. And today, maybe he set up this entire moment. It's a Palm Sunday. Let it be the day that Jesus comes riding into your life and riding upon your life, taming the wild in each one of us. And as we're preparing ourselves to pray, I'm wondering if there's in the room those who would say, Pastor Pat, I need Jesus to be in my life. I've never asked him to be the Lord of who I am, but I know I need him, not only in my heart, but I need him taming the wild things in me. In a moment, we're going to pray, and I want you to know that he took those sins upon his rugged cross so that you could be free. And so today, receive that freedom. Maybe, maybe you're in the room today, you say, Pastor, I once got victory over a lot of stuff, and I opened the door back up to it. And today, I need God to tame the wild thing again. If that's you, I want you to know he's as close as the mention of his name. He'll treat you with the same grace. He'll confront, but he'll also give grace. And, and he'll say to you, go and sin no more. Freedom has come. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to joy. Welcome to liberty. That's what God wants to do in your life. But some, some way or another, you've got to trust him to jump on top of your life so you can carry him into whatever city you're in. And so in a moment, we're going to pray. And if you'll just ask Jesus to come into your life, he'll come. And he'll begin this beautiful work of transformation in you. Today, you'll get ascendancy over the devil. You'll be able to put the devil under your feet from now on. But you've got to put Jesus in your heart first. And so if you're in the room today and you'd say, Pastor Pat, I need that prayer today. Don't leave me out. Please pray for me today. I know I need Jesus in my life. And I'm, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm just going to ask you to pray. And for those of you online... There's a button on your screen right there. You can just touch it. It says, raise the hand. Just touch that button. Say, Pastor Pat, I'm with you. I'm going to pray today, and I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says if you'll confess God before men, he will confess you before the Father. And so take that opportunity right now. Say, I'm not, I'm not stepping out of this prayer. I'm stepping in. I need God. If you're in this room today, by an uplifted hand, you'd say to me, Pastor Pat, I, don't leave me out of that prayer. I know I need God in my life. Pray for me. Wherever you are on three, raise your hand. One, two, three, right now. Yeah, all over the room. God bless you. Keep your hand up just for a moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 
Anybody else, lift up your hand wherever you are. I'm, I'm going, thank you. You may put your hands down, everyone. I want you to look at me here just for a moment. As we end this service, and, and Pastor Joel's going to come in just a moment and, and pray with you and, and tell you about a few things. We'll have the opportunity to worship God with our gifts, and so you don't want to miss that. But today we're going to pray. And those of you who lifted your hand for prayer, I want you to know God set up this moment just for you. This whole message was for you. He showed you a doorway this morning of coming out of bondage and into beautiful liberty. And he's as close as a mention of his name. Lift up your voice, all of us together. Pray this with me. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. I ask you into my life. You died for me. Paid the penalty for my sin. Then you rose from the dead. I ask you into my life. Bring resurrection to me. And I'll never be the same again. I repent for all my sin. And I turn to you. Teach me what all this means. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, give me a good amen. 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 It's a beautiful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.